podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning and happy travel day to me. About ready to get on a plane to NYC. Pretty pumped about it and pretty pumped about today's episode. It's based on a recent thread that I was reading in the DC, the Dynamite Circle. That's our private forum. There's been a lot of great discussions there lately, but one that really got the attention of a lot of members is this idea of imposter syndrome. And I'm going to read a little bit from the original post. Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? The idea that everybody else is killing it. Well, you're just kind of presenting the good bits and hoping nobody notices the bad ones. Here are the posters referring to other threads in the forum. We have the bragging thread, and a very long time ago, we had the epic fail thread, but I want to try something different. Because the opposite of bragging isn't failing. It's embarrassment or shame. So I wanted to just dump something here, and if other people want they can. But I want to lead out and say, I feel like a fake entrepreneur sometimes. I think it's an interesting question for the listeners. If Boss Man was here, which he's not, I most certainly would ask him, is does he feel like a fraud sometimes? But this episode isn't about us. And so we ended up calling a lot of the contributors to the forum. And for me, it ended up being a lot less about this idea of imposter syndrome and a lot more about just the general anxieties, fears, and vulnerability, I think is a decent term, that we're all dealing with in life and can really be exacerbated by entrepreneurship on the web. And I think some pretty interesting ways. So huge cred and thanks to everybody for coming on today's pod and talking about this stuff in public. So first up is longtime entrepreneur and principal consultant of the search engine shop, Brendan Tully. I had this realization, I don't know, six or 12 months ago that it seemed like the more podcasts I listened to, the more anxiety I had. And I kind of realized that just being bombarded by social media podcasts with everyone's a millionaire and successful and nobody's working. I was getting this constant messaging that success should be easy and nobody's doing any real hard work. Let me quote some things that you wrote. One thing that seems to dial up my anxiety big time is listening to some podcasts in the marketing space. They'd have you believe that everyone is FU rich and nobody is doing any hard work and that building the business was easy. It's all complete bullshit. Bar a handful of exceptions, nobody builds anything of value without having at least occasionally pushed themselves into the red line for longer than is healthy. What does that mean to you? You know, working, you know what it's like. You've got those days where you're sitting in front of a computer 12 hours, 15 hours, and you're just you're solving problems and you solve one problem after another and it doesn't seem to stop, you know. It's especially in that growth phase where you're kind of in between having systems working well or staff in the right positions and you know what it's like. It's I don't want to use the word hustle, but it's that kind of grinding. It's easy when it's just you. It's easy when you have a few staff. But when you're going from like that kind of space where you're three or four staff and then the next natural size is like 10 staff, you're kind of 
I guess you're sitting in you know five different roles and you're juggling and you're filling the spaces that you don't have the systems of people for. So I guess I feel like in the marketing space, nobody's talking about the pain or and in the DC, there's been a lot of threads on failure recently or you know things aren't going perfectly. And I don't think the blogosphere and podcasts and Instagram would have you believe that. That's interesting. Like at certain points, you come to a level and you kind of reflect back on what you did and it's easy to simplify it. If you're a systems thinker, it's like, okay, yeah, what I actually did was I, you know, worked for two hours a day and then I did a weekly review and then I mastered the art of stress-free productivity and now I have a successful business and I'm very confident that this will work for others. But when you meet those people who have those theories, they're normally freaking out about the next challenge that they have to face. It's hard to be public about the mess, I guess. It's easy to be public about, look at all I did. I know myself, if you run a business that's in any way successful, you have to be able to ignore the shit and be positive. And I think maybe there's some sort of cognitive bias when you look back that you're just hardwired to forget the serious pain and, you know, you really look on the positive side of things. It's just when you recount these stories, you're not really focused on all the pain and those the day or the week you have horrible cash flow and you're going to be struggling to make payroll or whatever it is. You kind of forget those, I think, when you look back. So when you tell the story, it's easy to tell a great story and, you know, talk about the pain a little bit, but no one's really going to sit there and dig into it. And no one wants to remember the, those like sleepless nights where you're like thinking about cash flow or something's gone wrong or whatever. You mentioned that, and I quote you, it also seems business owners are giving way too much credit to their skills and hard work. And almost no attention is given to luck, timing, and being a persistent mofo. <laughs> I say this based on my experience. So so we had a big online store 10, 15 years ago, and we grew it from 100K revenue to a million dollars revenue, then six and a half million over the course of two and a half years, three years. And we thought it was all us. We thought we were so awesome and it was our awesome skills at selling and business that was making this thing grow. But probably 80% of it was was just luck and timing. And I think you see a lot of that where people just get in at the right time and it's just it's pure luck, a bit of timing and some hard work mixed in there. But I think maybe there's a tendency to attribute the success to the the skills and the person themselves and how awesome they are at doing business rather than I think we downplay these luck and timing elements and you know particular markets that's it's kind of a case of the rising tide floats all boats and it's easy to ignore that element and I guess it's human nature that you know we want to be the the reason why this thing was successful and not just being in the right place at the right time what was your emotion reading through that thread in the DC like why did you feel compelled to respond it's a good question. I think we're the same age or a year apart, but I'm 36, 37 this year. The first business I owned was when I was 18 or 19. So I've been doing this for a long time. And I just feel like there's kind of just a lack of, I guess, broadly to explain it, vulnerability online. Like nobody's talking publicly about the failures and the struggles and the mental health issues that go along with running a business and those sleepless lights. So it was, it was just refreshing to see something that wasn't all about winning and how awesome we are and you know how quickly <laughs> we've grown this business. Like everybody's an overnight success, but there's no, there's very little online that's just honest and and kind of raw and you know, pure, hey, I've screwed up or I'm struggling or whatever it is. Today's podcast is sponsored by AppSumo. Check out some of the free resources they've created for TMBA listeners at appsumo.com slash TMBA. Their validation cheat sheet, I guarantee, will give you some immediate and actionable ideas in your business today. 
Looking for the best tools to grow your business without dropping a ton of cash? Well, then you need to check out AppSumo, a site exclusively for entrepreneurs that offers deals that are typically 90% off the retail price. Some previous examples include Dropbox subscriptions, Evernote. They gave a great package for Mark Manson's most recent book, and they recently offered a course by Derek Sivers absolutely free. So if you're either just starting out on your entrepreneurial journey or you're already making six figures, you should check out AppSumo. And even if you just want to see what incredible and hilarious copy looks like, sign up for their newsletter, which is completely free. They send it out weekly to nearly a million people. And as a special offer to TMBA listeners, the crew over at AppSumo has offered a few things for free. You can go check them out at AppSumo.com slash TMBA. There you'll get access to AppSumo's validation cheat sheet and their guide called 130 Ways to Get Traffic for Free. So the validation cheat sheet is designed for entrepreneurs who are trying to get a start with a digital product, and that could be courses, software, a physical product, anything ranging from iPhone cases to playing cards or service businesses like freelancing, productized services, and consulting. And for those who have established online businesses, 130 Ways to Get Traffic is a huge guide, and you can just sit down with it and implement some of the very clear strategies to get more traffic to your site. You can't do better than AppSumo. Nearly a million people go to their site every month. They know what's up for sure. Thank you to AppSumo.com slash TMBA. Go there and check out their free gifts for TMBA listeners. And a big thanks to AppSumo for being our first sponsor on this show. I can relate to a lot of what Brendan here is saying. And he's been an entrepreneur for well over a decade now and someone who's always talking real. <laughs> and it's interesting how in retrospect, he's looking at a lot of these failures as actually just part of the process of success in the first place. So next up, we're going to talk with someone who's newer to entrepreneurship. His name is Luis Gill, and he's a musician and now an audio producer. Luis is originally from Venezuela, but he, partly inspired by friend of the podcast, writer Mark Manson, amongst others, followed a dream that brought him to New York City four years ago. Got here the first year, here sucked. Anything that could go wrong went wrong, work-wise, dating, apartment, everything went like belly up, right? So a lot of failure. And I had been increasingly disappointed with the music industry for, for a long time. I was starting from scratch again here. No one knew who I was. It was really hard, very competitive. I think I hadn't encountered so much failure in such a concentrated amount in such a short period of time. That broke me in many in ways that I didn't expect. And it led me also to see that a lot of my music pursuit was, a lot of it was ego-driven, was very attention-gathering. I just said, this is not how I want to keep doing what I do. I don't know how it is, but it's not this way. I had been reading Mark a lot. Through him, I got to Derek Sivers. I got to Tim Ferriss. And then the rest is a pretty common how I got to the, into this kind of story. And yeah, that was about two and a half years ago, which is a very recent development for me. And I still feel like I'm taking the first like baby steps, which is probably why the topic of our conversation today. <laughs> so you're in New York City. You're starting to get some client work going. 
Are you around other entrepreneurs at this point in time? Or what's your community like in New York? Not at all. I'm probably the only one in my musical circle to be into entrepreneurship, which made it very lonely as well. So I started looking elsewhere. That was kind of the key for me to say, well, I have to expand my social circle, right? I have to see where else do I need to go. I just have developed a whole different side of my life, which is about business building and entrepreneurship. You're in one of the best places in the world to do this, it seems. Yeah, that, well, it was it made it easy, but definitely, definitely not a thing I could probably do in Caracas, for sure. <laughs> so the DC has been the main pathway into getting to know more entrepreneurs because it's also, I think... There's people who are into entrepreneurship for like to build massive empires. And there's a different kind, which is, I think, where I'm in. People who just want to have more control of how things are done and all this like location independence. And there's other layers that, that I think are specific to this community. It's a subset of a subset. So it's, like, it's a subset within entrepreneurship. That's how I understand it, at least. I've always had this like idea that I felt like that was always the most efficient hack, finding a way to be around other people who are doing what you're doing. Like any way you can get in, to me it seems like the most efficient strategy over like, you know, reading a bunch of books or what it just feels to me like that's the silver bullet if there is any. Remember when I was first getting into performing back home, I said, "Well, who are the people that I admire? Who do I want to emulate? Let me find a way to be around them." And I've have to do the same thing with entrepreneurship because there's many things that I admire about many entrepreneurs. There's many things that I honestly don't agree with. How do I fit into this community? Finding a sense of belonging that I also can align with my values is important to me, whether it's in music or entrepreneurship or whatever it is. If you go online, everybody's selling entrepreneurship. It's the greatest thing ever. You're going to be rich. And what are some of the things that you find difficult about it? Well, I think those fall into categories. One is the things that I don't necessarily agree with. And the other ones are the things that, that are just difficult about it. So it's a very lonely, a very solitary, I don't know which word is more appropriate, endeavor. Like It's been, for me at least, it, it's meant that I had to kind of distance myself from my original community to do this thing on my own where no one's really understanding what I'm doing. So that leads it to be a very solitary thing. I've always been very disciplined. Like I've never had a, a job. I've always been freelancing. It didn't have that shock of, oh, now I have no one to tell me what to do. But it's even beyond. It's like I have to come up with the things that I have to tell myself to do. That's scary a little bit, a little bit, a lot. What about the things you don't agree with? Making, and this is not generalized. I just encountered this enough to say, okay, there's a pattern here that I don't enjoy. Making revenue, the driver of everything you do i see people doing stuff for the sole purpose of just making more money and that never sat right with me i was always more of a purpose-driven kind of person more than a revenue of traditional like economic success not that i don't care about it of course i care about it that's kind of why i got out of music in the way i did <laughs> but i see a distinction in when there's a crossroad where i have to make a, a sharp left or a sharp right and the choice is whether doing the purpose thing or doing the money-driven thing, I would choose purpose most likely, yeah, nine, nine times out of 10. So that's one thing that I don't agree with. And I think that was the main one that I saw coming from a community where people are completely oblivious of like how to make money. It felt like a shift of like, okay, wait, there's a chance here that I'm going to just be reactive and be like, now nah, I'm going to be all out money. And that sucks too. So that's one area where I think I became very aware of it very early on and said, well, 
I'm not going to go down this path. The reason I called you was because you wrote pretty eloquently about, you're writing about entrepreneurship here, with the fact that the journey is different for everyone, and that the healthiest way to frame this is that I'm only competing with myself. You're very honest here. My client acquisition process is deficient. I could be making more. I'm only 80% location independent right now. I suck at marketing. I haven't been successful at refining my niche. I should be growing faster. And what inspired you to share all this with everybody? Imposter syndrome, I think, is just a very specific subset of anxiety, a very specific subkind of insecurity or lack of self-worth or self-value, however you want to call it, where I'm always measuring myself against others' achievements or skills and feeling bad about not being there yet. That's how I understand it. And I think that comes from having a very external frame of reference. So for some backstory, I struggle a lot during my teenage years and my early 20s with a lot of depression and anxiety and handling stress very poorly. And it all comes from always referencing my self-worth to what's to outside input instead of what's inside. So the tools that I've learned to overcome that over the past decade or so apply the same here. I only feel as an imposter when I'm measuring myself against other entrepreneurs that I encounter that have achieved so much more or that have so much better skills than I do in this little context of like business building and whatnot. Those comparisons are the ones that trigger all the phrases you read right now from my post. When I do the same comparison with Luis two years ago, huge growth, huge success, amazing. I'm very happy and and very proud of what I've accomplished against myself or compared to me. Like when I compare myself to people like, like you guys or so many other entrepreneurs that have had so many what looks like very like outstanding successes, I'm like, I'm far away. I'm so far. I'm so, so far. It seems like a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you're getting your inspiration. You're like reaching out to people to be around them. And that's really positive. But on the other hand, you go home and you're like, oh shit, it's going to take me forever. And what you said is for me, the key thing to understand. So here's how I use it now. And like, I look to people who are, who I consider to be more successful than me in any regard for inspiration, to define what is possible. Because if I'm operating from what I know, I know I'm limited by my own knowledge. So there's no way for me to know that you can make X amount of money online because I've never done it. So if I see someone, oh, that's possible. Okay, sure. And that's kind of where it stops. When the external comparison stops, I see what they've done and I say, okay, I want to get there. And then I have to turn like 180 degrees around and make the framework entirely internal and say, okay, where does this goal stand compared to my own values? And how do I set a plan to get there? And then from then on, the measuring stick is completely internal. It's like, how do I advance myself to reach this goal in X amount of time? And then when I'm in that internal framework reference phase, and I happen to look outside and I see, oh, I'm so far away from that guy. That's when the syndrome thing kicks in. And that's when all those phrases you read kind of start like screaming to me like, you're not good enough. You know, like it's, it's, uh, it's insane. A thought just occurred to me because you had some really brilliant writing about managing difficult clients. And I was reading about that and I was thinking, man, this is like a really deep business thread. Like everybody's had a difficult client. Like there's a lot to be learned here. Well, like imposter syndrome, if it like makes you feel bad about yourself, that's a category of problem. But where it can be really 
insidious is if that imposter syndrome affects how you run your business. If you get into a meeting and you don't see yourself as the type of person that deserves to get paid or can have a quality presentation or whatever, that could just forever affect your ability to grow a business. Yeah. I mean, the one you just mentioned is one that happens to me a lot, happened a lot more while, while I was doing music. Like, I feel like I've lowballed so many deals because I didn't feel like it was worth it to pay more, to ask for more money or for not only money, agreements. That post you mentioned on the DC was about like a little like disagreement I had with one of these clients about how our relationship was going to be working from that time on, terms of deals or fees or whenever that syndrome kicks in. And it becomes in a way a self-fulfilling prophecy where, where if I believe I am bad at marketing, I'm going to go into this conversation at a disadvantage because I'm thinking I, I'm bad at it, right? So there's a tangible side where I could be better at it. There's mostly a, a mindset kind of game where I think I suck at it. Therefore, I don't trust my resources to negotiate or market myself. And then I end up negotiating or marketing at a loss or subpar. So it's it's like a little catch-22 thing where the goal is to kind of break the cycle at some point, break like this downward spiral at some point and say, I either learn more marketing or just trick myself into thinking I am the greatest marketer ever that has <laughs> lived in this earth. So I'm going to go in and crush it. So I think we've had a fairly decent stroll down the avenues of stress, anxiety, and maybe even paranoia, speaking personally, <laughs> that many entrepreneurs experience doing business online. It's not all puppies and rainbows and unicorns. There's one subsection of the entrepreneurial community that I think is particularly interesting, and there's not been a huge taste of it on this pod and the blog. That's when your entrepreneurial business is in some ways also your life, when you're presenting your life as a way to generate an audience. And this can create a particular type of anxiety. And in this case, we're talking specifically about on YouTube and on your blog. So I'm Connie Bizalski, and I don't even know what I do anymore. I'm so all over the place, but I guess you'd call me a travel blogger. I run a big travel blog in Germany called Planet Backpack. I also created an ebook course for people that want to go location dependent, get out of the nine to five, and I help them do that. I'm building my YouTube channel right now. I just switched to English a few months ago. So I'm kind of internationalizing myself, I guess you could say. Now, Connie also contributed in a really thoughtful way to the DC imposter thread because she had recently posted a YouTube series, which she called 30 Days of Vulnerability. And I recommend you check it out. It's fascinating stuff. And I felt my own anxiety and vulnerability just watching it, honestly. On this video series, she talks about a wide range of issues from her insecurities to anxieties and lots more. So I started out by asking her why she decided to do that. I wanted to kind of really get down to what can happen when I make myself vulnerable, what's the worst that can happen? I just, it was really like a big experiment. I want to question why we hold back and why, you know, as humans are so scared to talk about things that, you know, make us feel vulnerable or that we feel ashamed of. And I just really wanted to de-shame certain areas of my life because I carried a lot of shame throughout my life, you know, growing up and because of my coming out and many other things that happened in my childhood. And I also wanted to 
create a space where other people would feel connected to things that I was sharing because we all share the same insecurities. We all share the same fears or similar ones. Anyway, we all, you know, there's shame in so many areas of our lives, you know, and all these shadow parts that we carry around. And I want to bring light to all of that. This was a pretty recent thing. Let me quote you. you said I was I think this was as of late last year or something. I was depressed, in emotional pain every day, found no meaning or purpose in my life anymore. I felt like I had failed. Everybody else seemed to be doing better things, more meaningful things, even making more money and having better lives. I felt lonely, miserable, sad, heartbroken, and useless. Beautiful. <laughs> certainly well-constructed. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> Look, there's nobody that can't relate to feeling like that. Yeah, exactly. I guess I wanted to share it because when I forgot who started the thread, but he opened a door. He opened a door for people to share. And I thought that that was really beautiful because, you know, I mean, yeah, the DC, it's all about business. But at the same time, we all struggle and there's a lot of shame surrounding certain areas. And I think it's wonderful to be able to talk about things like that in a forum and in this community that you guys created. And because if we can share this kind of stuff, like that really connects us so much deeper. That's the other thing. If other people share, it's easier for you to share as well. And so he opened the door and then suddenly all these people came out sharing their story and sharing their, you know, whatever they're ashamed of and their experience with the imposter syndrome. And I was like, wow, okay, well, now I'm just going to go and open the door a little bit wider because I'm sure so many people can relate as we travel the world and a lot of us do this you know by themselves and we struggle with the same issues people struggle at home which is could be loneliness depression you know whatever and so I feel like it's something we need to talk about more absolutely well and there can be I guess an opposite effect when you're hanging around people that are together because they're successful you know like you've spoken at a lot of conferences you have an incredible track record but I guess the imposter syndrome means that psychologists are trying to figure out why people like you haven't internalized all that success. No, and it's funny. Do you know how many sessions with my life coach or therapist I've had about that, that I can't actually feel all the love that I'm being sent every day from my followers and fans and all the likes and the beautiful comments and the emails and everybody saying, are oh, you so inspiring and you're so awesome? There's days, of course, where I can feel that. But then there's a lot of days also where it just it's like there's this wall and it just doesn't reach me. Yeah, I feel really frustrated and, and really sad about that because it's sad when you can't feel that. I'm worried about it. Because if you were to get your self-worth from that, then wouldn't you have to give equal balance to the people who have something negative to say about you? Criticize me? Yeah. Yeah, and I do give way too much weight to the people that <laughs> criticize me. Well, you mentioned some people have said some horrible things about you. I'm sure that's my biggest concern about YouTube, I guess, is that you're really kind of putting yourself there to be judged. Yeah, totally. I know. And it's interesting because it's like... People like me, I guess, and other bloggers and YouTubers and whatever, there there must be this inherent need to be seen. And it's not that I do this consciously. It's not that I want to be seen or that I do this because I need the confirmation. I need people to tell me how good I am because at the same time you do get all the critics. But actually I have to say YouTube is better in that way than I expected it to be. And then, of course, you get the occasional just idiot coming by, passing through, binge watching a few videos, don't really understanding what the hell you're talking about. And then just leaving ridiculous. Like the other day, some guy, I think, he, I don't know, from his comments, I would tell you was maybe 15 or 14 or something. But he said, 
to one of my videos, wow, you look like you're a drug addict. That kind of stuff, you know, I don't get, like, I don't care. It's more the people that follow me and that have been following me, and then they criticize me. Like, a lot of people weren't happy when you switched to English, for example. People were pissed. Exactly, for example. I was disappointing a lot of people. Yeah, it was horrible. And that was kind of hard to go through because I knew I was abandoning people, I guess, you know? And it felt like that people were sending me emails, kind of like breaking up with me. <laughs> and like recently, I had a bit of a shitstorm because I, on Planet Backpack on Facebook, actually, I put up a post about the kind of people that are not in the right place if they follow me. So people, if, if you're complaining a lot, if you're more pulled by negative thinking than positive thinking, if you don't take responsibility for your life, if in your circumstances, if in all these things, and I was like, then you're just not in the right place. Like, I'm not the right person for you. And people were really upset because I thought I was judging people that were still in the nine to five, that I was judging people that had issues and stuff in their life that they couldn't control. Sometimes things just get out of control and it's just, it's insane. <laughs> and so that was intense. Actually, recently I saw a couple of hundred people unfollow me on Facebook and just people being really nasty, you know? I struggle with it. I still do. Even after like five or six years, it's, I still don't find it easy. It's interesting. You're just so exposed to everybody whenever they want. You also mentioned that the lifestyle gives you a chance to kind of get free from some things and take more time to take a look at these things. I thought that was interesting too. I think for me, those first few years away from home were kind of important because they were like me time. Yes. Well, because all this space opens up, right? So, so this whole lifestyle design thing and passive income and for me, a lot of time opened up, you know, like I, I wrote in that comment in the thread. I can help you. And I quote, I barely spent time on my laptop and instead went surfing daily, hung out with friends, read books, went on silent meditation retreats and traveled. About five or six months, I reflect on why I'm here on this planet and realize that even though I live this amazing life in paradise doing what I want to do all day long, I wasn't fulfilled. On the contrary, it made me depressed. Yes, it did. So like this exact lifestyle that people make a living selling to people directly made you depressed. It wasn't that it made me depressed. I'm taking full responsibility for all of this. <laughs> it's that I ended up feeling depressed because all this space opened up, which meant that I had to look at a lot of my demons, you know, because so what happens with people having the nine to five and being just kind of being busy with their lives all day long and building a family and whatnot is there's not a whole lot of time and space to really connect deeply within yourself and for all the demons to come up. We distract ourselves so much by traveling. That's what I did a lot throughout my life, by traveling with relationships, drama, business, like workaholics, you know, whatever, drugs, alcohol. Like I've done everything to distract myself. I've done the whole range of methods and tools to do that. And so I eventually thought, well, if I have the four work week kind of going and I live in paradise, like in Bali in a three bedroom villa by myself with a maid and a pullman and I go surfing every day and do yoga and just do whatever the hell I want 24 seven, that's it, you know, that should be it. And then I realized, like I said, if I only focus on myself and like having this for a work week and just focusing on what I enjoy doing, which was yoga and surfing and hanging out and reading and whatnot, that's not contributing you know, I'm not contributing at all. I'm only contributing to myself. And for me, one big thing in life is to make a difference in other people's lives and to make a difference in this world. And, and anyway, I eventually kind of, what did I do? I, I started a 30 day YouTube challenge a year ago for in German. And I left Bali. And then 
I got into creation mode. I was creating again every day. I was making a video and I was contributing. I was, I don't know, I felt like I was growing and learning and connecting with people. And that kind of pulled me out of that really deep, dark hole that I was in. And since then, I've just been really looking a lot deeper into what I really want to do with my this one life that I have here. Do I want to be this travel blogger? And it turns out I don't, actually. I don't want to be Connie the travel blogger, Connie the digital nomad. I've kind of figured out in many different ways why I'm here and what I want to do, how I want to contribute. And that in itself is super important for me to feel a purpose, to feel connected, to create. Those are all things that help me feel fulfilled on a daily basis. It seems like you understand a lot about like how your childhood affected all of this. How important do you think those things are? I was reading some of your writing like that when you looked at how you were raised and how certain relationships worked out early in your life that you were acting out those patterns once you had a lot of spare time on your hands. Yeah, I believe a lot of us have traumatic experiences in our childhoods and they don't need to be, it doesn't have to be as crazy as sexual abuse, you know? Small traumas adding up can lead to a lot of wounds, you know? And we carry those around and then on top of that, there's all these beliefs, right? So the worst limiting belief that most of us carry around is that I'm not good enough. And this whole imposter syndrome as well is like we walk around as entrepreneurs creating, 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 building six, seven figure businesses, you know, and yet at the end of the day, we feel like it's not good enough. We're not good enough. I spend half my day wondering what the hell I'm doing <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I should be running a business at all. I don't think that ever goes away. And I think the day that you think you've made it, it's probably the day that you're at risk of losing it all and failing. And certainly, so our, so that e-commerce business that we grew, it failed. We ran out of cash and largely because we stopped being hungry. We got arrogant and thought it was us. And we thought the payday would never end. Like every day there was more money than than yesterday. And I think... One of the biggest takeaways from that for me was that it wasn't me, that it was a lot of luck and timing. And no matter how good things are today, if you you know take your eyes off the ball and you get complacent and you get arrogant, that it can easily all disappear almost overnight. And that's what happened for us. You know, We had this six-month period where the whole thing went into decline. We got into this negative cash flow cycle and, and it just collapsed on itself. And I think one of my biggest takeaways is never – you know, never be complacent, never get that ego and arrogance that you're the best or you know it all or whatever. Like staying hungry is, you know, it's important, I think. A big thanks to Brendan and Luis and Connie for being so open about the bleak and sometimes blessed life that is this journey of entrepreneurship. We talk a lot about how mindset is one of the most critical things in entrepreneurship. And so it's due time that we uh, circled around and talked about these issues on the show. I'm curious. We got a comment section at tropicalmba.com slash imposter. Do you ever feel like an imposter? Does the idea of imposter syndrome resonate with you? Or, or how about anxieties or just these kind of paranoia and extra anxiety that's maybe unique or at minimum exacerbated by doing business online? We're curious to hear your thoughts as always, and we're going to be back next week, Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for joining us. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.